1: WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning.
2: Biggest takeaways from Sunday of week 10. That's what we're talking about today on stealing bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find my Twitter at right for Gretsch, find my Stealing Signal Substack at bengretch.substack.com. And with me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his work at Rhodeviz. And Sean, last week was a pretty weird week. This week, you know, we saw some of the some of the guys we like do some fun things.
3: We did. This, this one was pretty fun, right? We have uh, CD Lamb massively bouncing back after he'd been on a little bit of a drive spell. We had Stefan Diggs finally doing what we had expected after he'd been on a sort of a a full season-ish drive spell. And then a few weeks ago on the show, Ben, we talked about Ramondre Stevenson as being this year's David Johnson. Now you never want it to happen through an injury. Yeah, we gotta keep bringing that up because it's fun in this particular situation. But you don't wanna happen through an injury, especially a head injury to a teammate, but, I mean, he looked very, very good today. So I don't know. We got to start with our guy, right? Stefan Diggs. What did you see in this Bills-Jets game? We were expecting the Bills to win, but after their struggles with the Jaguars last week, maybe a little bit of a surprise that they just executed a lot of the things that I'm sure they wanted to execute, but also some of the things we wanted them to execute.
2: Yeah, they came out throwing vertically early in the game, which was good to see. Uh, we talked about Josh Allen's, Passing A. Dot being a lot lower. First play of the game, play action downfield to Diggs. They they continue to throw downfield throughout the game. I mean, I think as far as Diggs is concerned, you get 13 targets out of 28 pass attempts in a blowout win where they don't throw a whole lot. Uh, no one else on the team has more than three, and that's good. <laughs> you know, Cole Beasley gets two targets. You know, a lot of the other receivers on the team very efficient, working off digs. But they still they did basically what we said. They continued to sort of force to digs and then work off of that. Basically, only throw to the other guys when they're wide open. Uh, you know, Gabe Davis catches all three of his targets for 100 yards. Manny catches both of his. Beasley catches both of his. Dawson Knox only gets the one but catches it. Pretty efficient game for the other receivers. They didn't get a lot of volume. Diggs also very efficient game. Goes for eight 162 and a TD on 13 targets. He scored very nearly scored the play before the touchdown, really nice sort of back shoulder and steps out of bounds. And I was all excited. And then they, uh, you know, show the replay and he only gets one foot down very next play still in one-on-one coverage. They go right back to him. And this time, instead of throwing it sort of back shoulder, they throw it over the top and he makes a really nice play on just more of a traditional fade route. Brings, brings in brings him both balls, you know, shows the ball skills in the, in the contested catch situation, that he's always had it was really nice to see him look like who he is it was also kind of cool i mean a blowout win he's still out there he catches a 43 yard pass on like the last drive they are definitely trying to get him some some stats right (laughs) that's what it felt like they
3: were they were and uh, i don't know so one of the things that we talked a lot about and it's been kind of the big theme within the reality football community the fantasy football community over the last couple of weeks are these defenses that teams are playing against the elite is i don't feel like we saw much of that from the jets today and i don't know if we can take too much away from a game in which the jets played so poorly you mentioned those two kind of back-to-back touchdowns and i had kind of seen on the bottom line that he had scored and so i'm like did i did i see it wrong when you know the play obviously they're looking at and they, they decide doesn't score the thing that kind of struck me is on that first play the defense made no attempt to take him away the safety wasn't over there you know he scores the touchdown doesn't get his foot in they come back up, come back out and line up again. And I'm like, if anything, they've taken the safety even further away from Diggs this time. And my, they're just gonna run the same basic play, right? And there's nobody else there. You can't cover him like that.
2: The, the color guy said the same thing. <laughs> the color commentator said the same thing. He's like, well, they, they've got Diggs. <laughs> they've got Diggs again down there. I don't know if you caught that, but it was, they were calling it, I was like, great. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, so. And there were some other situations. I mean, they had some of the touchdowns where the running backs got in. They also had, if it had been a pass scheme play, I mean, just no safety help. And so I, I don't know that a lot of teams are going to try this, especially after you see Diggs scorch the Jets. And you mentioned the long plays. The long plays were really important, really nice. I, I love that 40-yard sort of bonus padding there at the end. Because one of my concerns here, and it was something we saw in some of the other games as well, is some of our guys played so well early that I was thinking... You know, we may just get a half from him, but to get that play late was really encouraging. And like you said, playing off of him, Beasley didn't seem to play a, a whole bunch. This was a situation where Gabriel Davis goes in there, plays well, you and I talked about it. And again, we're, we're sort of partisans in this in terms of, you know, who we have more exposure to, but replacing a lot of the Beasley targets with Gabriel Davis targets. I mean, that's just much, much better for the offense. It brings in some of the things we saw with the big plays from him last season. I hope they go in that direction. Then it was also interesting, did you have, I mean, was Matt Breida the main player you had in your GPPs today?
2: Yeah, I was all over him. Yeah, no, no, that was that was actually, I mean, very frustrating, especially from like a DF, DFS perspective because, but also for all of our seasonal leagues where we have Singletary and Moss. Singletary and Moss wind up both finding the end zone, but Breida looked explosive and, and yeah, he scores a receiving TD early, Um, That wasn't good for anybody's stacks or anything like that. He scores a rushing TD later. We get Isaiah McKenzie rushing TD. We get four rushing TDs total. So anyone who was playing Josh Allen was not thrilled about that. But Brita winds up with a rushing TD and a receiving TD. I I mean, you've been looking at the advanced stat explorer a little more than me, but I've seen some comments that Singletary and Moss haven't necessarily been great in some of the advanced rushing stats in terms of creating yardage and things like that. Breed only rushes three times, gets 28 yards. I mean, averages over nine yards a carry today uh, on three carries, but then also has, you know, 22 yards on three catches, was certainly more involved than we've seen him involved all year. And my take and what I wrote that I'm gonna, you know, mention in signals as well was that he looked explosive, you know, to the extent that there might be any truth to this Singletary moss thing. And we know that the Bills have had the deep shots taken away and they've needed to, to find something shorter and, and you know, some some plays out of the backfield. And then the fact that he was very efficient, like it, it might not go away, right? Like this could be a three person back going forward. I think that it could. And one of the issues just with Singletary
3: and Moss is that lack of straight line speed that you mentioned there. And that I think is always going to be a little bit of an issue for them. And that's one of the reasons why Matt Breida was a, a constant on the zero RB list back when he was a little bit closer to a starting position before he, it became clear that he really can't stay healthy with any sort of volume because his speed is unreal right? I mean, he consistently tests among the fastest players on the field. And that's despite the fact that he doesn't actually get as many chances to do that because he uh, you know, just doesn't get as many touches, right? And so we have this situation where we can see the three guys. You mentioned the advanced set explorer. One of the things that's been kind of interesting with Singletary kind of coming into the seasons, even last year when he struggled in terms of everything we would want for fantasy, he still forced a lot of missed tackles or evaded tackles. I mean, he has the ability to cut and make a guy miss and continue to go but it's the element of can you create the big play especially if you're going to have to make a lot of guys miss in the backfield which is what they have to do with the bill's offensive line both of these guys have to make guys miss in the backfield singletary can do that but then can be taken down with the arm tackles moss that's not really his thing right and he's a bigger back he's going to push some guys but he needs a little bit of a a run to get going there and so, I mean, for Moss, if he were the the one guy in an offense that fit his skills, I think he could be very good. It's going to be harder in this dynamic. And like you mentioned with the three now, it could be tricky. These guys all have things that they do well. Unfortunately for Singletary and Moss, I don't think that their skills are really fitting what Buffalo wants to do. And, you know, Breida just does have that straight line speed and it's very clearly different than their two guys. So this is one of the reasons why, even though, uh, you and I have been on it, and especially, you know, I've certainly told my readers consistently, you know, get some exposure to these bills backs for this type of game. We do also want to realize that the reason that we really do emphasize the straight line speed, probably more than most analysts is because that speed is necessary to get the most out of the plays and to create the big plays. And Ben, we saw again today with our guy, Jonathan Taylor, he has the huge first half over 100 yards in the first half, over 20 fantasy points in the first half. I think it was early in the second half where he has another one of these 30-yard runs called back on a phantom penalty. And, I mean, I'm obviously very biased. I want all of those points. But when the commentators are saying, I mean, this is a really bad penalty, then it's probably not just me. He looked great. It was interesting, though. Carson Wentz had a couple of these passes again. A left-handed pass that was crazy. You know, a spinning, underhanded, right-handed pass. The defenses were able to shut down both of the passing games in this game.
2: Yeah, what? Has he not learned? <laughs> like,
3: no, I mean, he's like, it'll work sometimes. I mean, it's like, they didn't return it against me in this one.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's funny. They showed uh, during the broadcast, they showed the pick six against Tennessee where he tried that. No one has really gone back and showed. It was either week one or week two. I've mentioned it on the show a couple different times where he tried like a little shovel pass. I think the play call was a shovel pass inside right by the end zone. And he just threw it to no one. And a defensive lineman intercepted. It was just like floating like right, right around the lineman. I'd have to go back and find the play. I haven't seen it. Like, I, you know, it hasn't been in any of these montages with Carson Wentz doing ridiculous things. But he had another one. In, in I think it was probably week two. So anyway... Yeah, no, I'm I had ai a, going to be the guy who reads one of his tweets because I was proud of it. I had a tweet that uh, I wrote. Jonathan Taylor was penalized for having an actual cannon on the field from which to shoot himself out of, of on every single play. He looked so explosive again. Every time he touches the ball, and like you said, he's even getting gash plays called back, and it doesn't matter because he's just going to get another one or he already has one in the bank. Every game it feels like he has – 30 plus yard play. I mean, I'd have to go look that up, but it's probably a real stat. And if not, it's better than a real stat. He's the
3: he's he's the he's because yeah, it's
2: what I want to be true.
3: He's the best running back in the league, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no question. One of the things that we saw today as well was on the touchdown run, which he's gotten a lot of high value touches in terms of inside the 10, inside the five. And if there's anything that's been a little bit of a chink in the armor so far it's been actually getting in on those and it's great that the offense provides so many, man. I mean, the leg drive through, and they were talking about afterward that, you know, he wants to be known as a big back because he is right. I mean, he's 226 pounds. You could see the leg drive and the shoulder push on this one. You know, sometimes I think because he actually has good patience and good vision and is waiting for that hole to get through and go for 70 yards that people think, Oh, you know, he can't push. He doesn't have the leg drive. He's not going to have the big back characteristics. It was pretty cool to see those characteristics really manifest in an important
2: play today as well. Yeah, and something that I think is fun with him, just sort of looking at his game log right now, his last two games where he hasn't rushed for 100 yards, he's rushed for 100 yards in four of his last six. Uh, he had over 100 yards receiving in one of those two games. That was the Baltimore game where he had the really long uh, receiving play. He also had, against Tennessee last week, he only had 70 rushing yards, but he had three catches for 52 yards, had you know some explosive plays in the passing game. That's something I actually saw at Wisconsin when I was making an, an argument that I thought he was a better receiver than people thought because we know that obviously in college some some teams just hand the ball off to their guys, but the way that I looked at it when I was looking at some of his college game logs was the games where he had like a non-elite yards per carry, he would actually get way more involved in the passing game. He'd have actually have receptions, and so it was like Wisconsin, well, it was very much what we, we say sometimes with some of these backs that don't catch a lot of passes in college the teams don't need to, to to throw the ball to him. But when he was running, uh, you know, when they face like a better run D or he's not, you know, finding a lot of holes, then they would start to throw it to him a little bit more. We're seeing that a little bit in the NFL. Basically, when I sit here and look at his game log where he's either just unstoppable running the ball, or if he is getting stopped a little bit, then they, they you know, they might find some things in the passing game or try to swing it to him in the passing game. But it's like inevitable that he's going to have an explosive play is sort of the point, like his total yardage per week is incredible. You have to go all the way back to week three for the last time that he didn't have over hundred total yards. So yeah, really glad to have him on the teams where we do. It has been
3: exciting. I mean, this current run, it just, it feels like we're kind of in the early stages of watching an all time great. I mean, even when we had a David Johnson, even when we had a Le'Veon Bell, you know, even when you have a Todd Gurley and Todd Gurley in some ways, maybe a little bit closer. I mean, David Johnson in 2016, maybe a little bit closer Because David Johnson actually had the lateral agility and the ability to get back up to his top speed, even though his top speed wasn't that fast, but the ability to go sideways, the ability to get forward at his size and the downfield receiving ability. So, I mean, these guys were very good. They scored a ton of fantasy points, but I mean, I don't feel like we necessarily thought we were seeing a Jamal Charles or a LaDainian Tomlinson or a Barry Sanders with those backs. And maybe that's just kind of looking back on it now, where we know that their careers didn't go that long. Unfortunately, all of those guys had the bodies wear down pretty quickly with Jonathan Taylor. It feels like we could be seeing that type of
2: player. I mean, absolutely. I mean, we we've him to a lot of guys, um, but like Adrian Peterson is one that has come up a lot. And it's, it's, this is what it felt like in the first couple of years, Adrian Peterson's career where he was, I mean, especially his rookie year where it was just like every week he had a monster run and he was just doing incredible things. And, you just knew that, you know, he was going to be great. He was going to flirt with 2000 rushing yards, which he eventually did. I mean, I, I think Taylor's definitely going to have a season like that. If not this season at some point where he's either flirting with, or, you know, going over 2000 rushing yards in a season, especially now that we have the 17th game, like we have just a lot to look forward to in this guy's career. He's going to be fantastic. Yeah.
3: And even on sort of a, a per game basis, take out that last game, it, Seems like we could see him challenging the you know all-time yards from scrimmage records because of what you had mentioned in the receiving game and the volume of receptions now and then just the chance that you know those plays could become you know sixty-yard plays, seventy-yard plays, not all the time, but every once in a while enough to get that overall yardage up. So uh, this has been a lot of fun. The other player who looked incredibly fast in this game, Ben. I think you had mentioned it to me before about how some of these fast players are such a good fit for what the nfl needs right now uh this was another just crazy game where i mean trevor lawrence comes in as too good of a prospect right to be giving up on him already and you can see the willingness to get the ball out fast i mean that's a a trait that elite quarterbacks need to have the arm strength is there man. the accuracy is terrible and or at least as it works with marvin jones and chanel there right i mean he's not on the same page with those guys the ball doesn't get to them and so the guy who's really emerged for them is jamal agnew and it wasn't a pass play today but then even with some guys like tyreek hill i'm not sure i've seen the secondary miss the angle and look like as badly outrun to the edge as on agnew's carry today
2: yeah he looks like the kicker turner which he is (laughs) i mean um that's something we talked about a little bit that it's got to be a little interesting that he's been getting so many targets now he had five targets today and didn't catch a pass the other one that is getting you know a lot of targets in this offense is dan arnold and and it seems like lawrence is much more comfortable throwing to those guys that line up in the slot more and are on the inside like you said jones and Chenault it's just not working on the outside it's a huge bummer with chennault
3: i mean he was just kind of shaking his i mean he needs to make plays but i mean his body language today was terrible he just couldn't get anything really even on <laughs> within his reach, within his wingspan.
2: Yeah, and I, I I keep getting questions every week if it's time to cut him, and I, I will say that I, I, I'm i interested in your opinion, but especially for people who are in more casual leagues, like you don't need to be holding Chenault at this point, in my opinion. I think in deeper leagues, you have to have sort of a reason to pick someone up, but they're playing him in, in a spot that he's not, you know, excelling in, <laughs> in on the outside, and then also it's not a good spot for Lawrence. It's not working with Marvin Jones either, I don't see that there's a lot of paths for me to where Chenault is going to wind up having a big season this year, but Agnew on the inside is getting the solid target rate. And then we know he has the run after catch ability of a kick returner. He's been, he's been one his whole career and it is, you know, obviously immediately calls to mind what Cordero Patterson has been doing in Atlanta all season. It is a more spread open NFL these days. Defensive backs obviously can't put their hands on receivers as much as they used to be able to. They have to let them run free a little bit. Teams are running, you know, I don't know if they're running more zone, but certainly there's a lot of scenarios where a guy like Agnew in the slot can basically just be open to catch a short pass and then have the potential to run after the catch. Like you said, this wasn't even uh, a reception. It was a handoff. He gets a 66 yard touchdown run, but yeah, I mean, the guy has skills with the ball in his hand. (laughs) You know, he's another one of these kick returners who has always had that ability sort of the, the fearlessness that comes with it of being, a you know, a, a career kick returner who is now getting opportunities on offense, creative usage, and seeing, you know, a good rate of targets per route and those types of things that he's got to be at least a little fantasy relevant. I mean, he's been a, like kind of uh, ignored. People don't like, I mean, I, I've seen, even in some of our main events, people are not picking him up, even though he's catching passes and doing things that typically triggers, you know, somebody adding him. Yeah. I think he's worth rostering definitely worth rostering and you had mentioned Chenal. I I'm about as much
3: of a true believer as it gets and even uh, still trying to pick him up in trades very you know low compared to where he was before because you get into this portion of a player's second season and you do have to acknowledge that you could be wrong right his his finish to his rookie year though was just so good and even today I mean they tried to manufacture touches for them you don't get the impression that they've given up on him but I mean, it, this was the worst quarterback performance I think I've ever seen in a game where the underdogs still almost won. I mean, the, the Jaguars managed to figure out how to stay in this one. Their defense played extremely well in the second half. I mean, you, you kind of feel like that Lawrence, a little bit maybe in a fields type of way, is a week or two away from things clicking and starting to find that accuracy. I, I, it's been really weird to watch because just so many aggressive passes where he seems to have been comfortable with where he wanted to throw and then the ball doesn't get there. So uh, that part of it has been has been pretty
2: interesting. Do you have any like thoughts on that or I mean like like the why? Uh, I mean immediately to my mind comes, you know, Urban Meyer and some of, you know, the questions about the the coaching staff. Obviously, he's just a rookie quarterback and sometimes, you know, guys aren't necessarily comfortable right away. I haven't watched, I, I would say I haven't watched Lawrence as close as I've watched Fields or even probably Mac Jones uh, or even probably Zach Wilson. I don't know why, just because the Jaguars are kind of boring to watch, I guess. But every time I see him, like you said, he looks confident. He's throwing confident balls. Sometimes it's just like way off. And it's like kind of confusing. So he's thrown some really, really good balls too. He's placed some balls really well. Been kind of hard for me to understand why, you know, he stands back there, looks so confident, throws a pretty ball that then the screen pans is not where it should be (laughs) on the other end do you have any like big reasons why
3: no not necessarily i was just thinking the same thing as i was watching the game today that it is in some ways an unfortunate situation when you're that rookie quarterback and you're trying to adjust to the nfl but your coaching staff or at least the head man is also trying to do that you know you get a little bit of the feel that they're trying to do some things and bring some things from college that just you know won't work that well at the nfl level and the mix that they're calling in the passing game just doesn't work. And so, you know, one of the things that you you kind of wonder and you feel like is is on the horizon is them going out and getting better receivers, which of course, if that's the case, then it very chanel I mean, it's not something where like he's gonna come back if you put multiple guys then in front of him. They have chark. I mean, it would have been very interesting to see this team play with a healthy chark and a healthy ETN because obviously the the system was set up for them to have those guys in there. Now, the one thing I will say is that James Robinson looked very good in this game, which I think is difficult when the opposing team knows that your you know passing plays are going to be very low success rate, and they just want to stop you. And he you know almost dug in and and pulled the team back with this. And so you know it's not necessarily that ETN is going to be an upgrade in terms of a lot of things that they already have available to them, but it would be a different type of role that he would be employed in. Even though we see James Robinson look pretty good as a receiver.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, it's kind of like the new rule almost would have been – part of that would have been ETN. But, yeah, the, the, I, I'm concerned for Chenault long-term too because this would have I, – I agree with you, it would have been interesting to see with Chark and ETN and some of these things and, and Chenault maybe not on the outside and how that would have played out. But I also – once Shark Ch- went down, I also thought like Chenault has it open in front of him to have a big season now. You know, whatever the reasons – You know, I'm not particularly high on Marvin Jones, uh, and (laughs) I get a lot of that from you, frankly. Um, But we're we're not particularly high on Marvin Jones. Whatever the reasons that Lawrence is unable to get the ball to, to these outside receivers, I mean, some of it has to fall back on Chenault, and you'd think if he was a really good talent that he would have been able to basically be better than he has been, create more separation, whatever. Make some easier throws for his quarterback, even though some of these throws aren't great. Uh, a lot of the times you see me, he, he's not really like a, an outside vertical player. He's not an inc- incredibly fast player. It's not really his skill they I, I do think they're sort of using him out of position, but we just haven't seen a lot of plays at the NFL level where he has looked like the player that we thought he would be from a pr- uh, prospect profile standpoint. Doesn't mean I'll be completely off him. I think the market's going to always be sort of less optimistic about what he could be. And I think going into next year and redraft, he might wind up be, you know, being a, uh, a really late round pick. And then, it might be interesting to to take some shots on him as a potential third year bounce back. And we do see that sometimes, like you mentioned from guys who were good prospects, who
3: had a good portion of their rookie season, a bad second season in that third year, but exactly what you're saying, Ben, and maybe even you're thinking a little bit about this, but there was a beautifully thrown deep target down the sideline today that Lawrence got out there. And, you know, again, you can say, well, it's close, but not perfect. It's, you know, a big arm, but not accurate you know, Chenault didn't get there. Didn't really even get his hands on it. And you're like, well, if that ball is thrown one yard less, then it's a, you know, a 40 yard play for Chenault. Everybody feels better about Lawrence and the receiver there. But, you know, I'm watching that. I'm thinking to myself, you know, my brain is going to naturally make excuses for him because we're so high on him and he hasn't performed and say it's the quarterback's fault. But I think he's got to get through that defensive back and he's got to get there for that pass. And if he can't, then you know, you're looking at more of a long-term, you know, wide receiver two or three, as opposed to someone who still has this alpha upside. I mean, I, I don't want to say the name, but you know, when you see him not get there for that, you're like, oh, that's, I mean, that's Nikhil Harry, not AJ Brown, and so, and maybe that's already very clear based on how he's yeah. can scoring any points.
2: I think a lot of other people have figured this out, or or or, or think they figured this out before we've gotten around to
1: to deciding that this might be the case.
3: Well, Ben, after the break here, we're gonna come back and talk about a couple more really fun games, some weird games, and some guys we like who are lighting the world on fire, at least here in week 10.
1: NFL football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find NFL tickets anymore. Because TechPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, Is the original no fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for NFL tickets TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets don't believe it if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site TickPick will give you hundred and ten percent of the difference in the purchase price One of my bucket list items is certainly to head on over and see my Green Bay Packers over in Green Bay Lambeau Field. I'm super excited to see how this season plays out for the Packers, whether it's the Packers or any other team that you want to head and get in on the action this season and attend a game. Whether it's a home game for your favorite team or it's on the road, TickPick has you covered. Visit tickpick.com slash rotoviz to save 10% on your first order. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season, don't wait. Head on over, get those tickets. That is techpick.com/slash rotoviz.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform.
3: Well, Ben, we talked last week about the Browns and how uh, Odell Beckham had left and they had this magical performance and uh, everything seemed to be perfect now. They're in Cleveland. They rallied off of uh, just a few weeks back where they were in the darkest timeline. Well, and then they have some COVID issues this week. And again, you're depleted in terms of your talent and you run into the New England Patriots. And another sort of controversial thing that we discussed on the show is this idea that the Patriots might be the AFC Super Bowl favorites. And, I mean, I think a lot of people would still tell you, like, stopping Baker Mayfield does not mean that you're on your way to the Super Bowl. But when you combine their defense and then our running back,
2: I mean, they looked awfully good today. They looked fantastic. I picked – the Browns to win this game outright. I, I mean, I thought this was a match of sort of two similar teams. They both are missing their lead back, obviously, but like that's the isn't the main similarity. They both, you know, want to be a run first team. Good defenses have been playing well lately. I, it was. I, I thought the Browns might actually present a little bit of a challenge for the Patriots, who because they. Especially without Beckham, they seem to be so multifaceted. We talked about how like the the target rate is more spread when when Beckham's not on the roster or not active, or that's the way it seemed. They can get any of the three tight ends involved. They can throw to Landry. They can take the deep shots to Donovan Peoples Jones or even Anthony Schwartz if they want to. Obviously, not having Chubb in there's a big deal. DeAndre Johnson ran well today. He has over five yards per rush. has a nice a nice game, but he isn't you know a guy who can rip off a seventy yard TD for you. Um, that's kind of an unfair standard to hold him to because he's played very good football, but uh, he's not Nick Chubb, so there you go. Big, uh, big surprise there. But Baker without Beckham seems to be a little like in my mind, I thought he might be it might present a little bit of a challenge for the Patriots in the sense that he tends to just take what is available to him and they and they, you know, establish a, a little bit of a run game and they work off play action and all these things. But, I mean, none of that worked for them. Their offense can look very finely tuned. Baker threw the early pick, I think it was, that got ran back. And, you know, I mean, they, they, they did on the first drive. The Browns come down and score, Patriots answer, and then Baker throws the pick and, and, in his own territory, and the Patriots are set up to score again. And it was pretty much downhill from there. I mean, the, the Browns never scored again after their first drive. Their offense never looked good again. And the Patriots were the ones that were able to, you know, be the run team, the ball control team, and do the things they wanted to do on the ground. Even though, I mean, Cleveland ran the ball well too, but got absolutely destroyed. But uh, it, it was interesting. It was interesting. Cleveland couldn't, you know, get back in the game by passing. They uh, even when they were down, you know, late in the second quarter, early in the third, they were trying to to build drives by running the ball. It was a a strange one, as you
3: mentioned, and and. Ernest Johnson, I mean, he, he. I mean, he's definitely not Nick Chubb. He looked so good on that first drive, right? He rips off the four big carries to get him down to like the two. And then they decide not to use him at all four straight passes, I believe. And fortunately for them, that last one does score. And so they get off to a decent start. But then that interception that you mentioned, that was a bad interception. The The target was not open. It was a nice pick, but there was a second defensive back between Mayfield and the actual receiver on that one. So... A bad read and not not the arm strength to overcome the bad read either. So, you know, we we saw some of the things that people who are more Beckham supporters, you know, would definitely tell you about that are a little bit of a weakness there. Uh, We got the big game from Stevenson. He showed a lot of size and tackle breaking ability, but then the ability to get back up to a little bit of speed quickly once he breaks the tackle and get some yardage at the second level he also had this really cool reception where i mean in terms of the the box score it wasn't going to mean that much but when you look at some of these bigger guys and say can they be the receiving back you know he kind of lost his balance and went to the ground as he's kind of making the catch with his back to the defender he's back up kind of circling twirling and back up field kind of actually beating the first guy on him there so quickly you're like man a, a guy of his size should not be able to do that so it was cool to see him also just Mac Jones has been a game manager here and has been so good at it that uh, in some ways, maybe people are wondering like what's his long term upside in dynasty. You know, he's somebody that we've been targeting some of these super flex dynasty startups. He had this amazing pass early in the game to Kendrick Bourne, sort of splitting the defenders. And again, kind of talking about one of his first really aggressive throws at the NFL level. And then Bourne made some other plays in this game. Ben, you and I always joke about it. I feel like Kendrick Bourne must have had like a, a fluky multi-touchdown game when I needed a guy on a bye week one time. Um, because I've always, <laughs> always like loved him. I have.
1: Yeah, you always want to pick him up in our deep leagues.
3: You're like, yeah, let's get Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> so uh, is he now the number one in, in New England? The rest of the guys are not targeted.
2: He's the number one. He's the number one in your heart. That's for sure. <laughs> I think uh, Jacoby Myers is still, I mean, Myers ends up scoring in, you know, complete garbage time from Brian Hoyer, his first NFL mm-hmm. touchdown. Uh, I, I mean, I think I still have to have him as the number one, but Bourne looked good. He actually had uh, three carries for 43 yards too. He had a really big game. were we starting him in that going deep league? We, we had him for a while. And- we did. I had to juggle that lineup, put some people
3: on. I mean, you've been doing a great job. Uh, making sure we have starters and that we have to start 13 people. Uh, we picked up a wide receiver. I'm not even sure who it was. Well, maybe Cedric Wilson, which I don't think that one necessarily worked out, but yes, we did have Bourne in. So that big game will probably be rocket, rocketing us up the standings and going deep. We've got to be there to compete with
2: Mike Clay at the end. Yeah. I mean, that's hilarious. That the, the catcher board is paying off in the, in the extra deep league. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, They only throw 26 passes in this game. They complete 22 of them, throw for four touchdowns, the Patriots. I mean, this is going to be a run-first team. Their offense is incredibly good. I mean, we knew this would be, again, this is two run-first teams that tend to play pretty good defense. The Browns did not today. It was really interesting. I mean, there was I was just counting the drives. Both teams basically had eight drives. There's a really quick end of the first half drive for the Browns and a really quick end of the game drive for the Patriots neither of which were, you know, they're both negative play drives. Outside of those two, uh, both teams had four drives in both halves, which is a very low amount of drives in a game. It's because both these teams are running the ball. They're letting clock run all those things. The Patriots on their eight drives go touchdown, 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 field goal, punt on their first drive of the second half, touchdown, 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 and then end of game, two kneels. (laughs) I mean, that's, their offense is very good, uh, but not a ton of volume also. And so one of the things you know, in this game, when I, when I write it up, when I think about it, I'm going to probably emphasize is you can't bank on six touchdowns on eight drives every week. You know, you're probably not going to get a ton of plays. You're probably not going to get a ton of passes, a pass attempts and those types of things. So that was a really great pass. That was a great catch by Bourne. Great touchdown. Myers is the one that I, you know, I tend to lean more towards because he's been getting the best target rate over the, you know, the course of the season. Hunter Henry had a couple touchdowns today as well. He's the other guy that, Seems to pop off with the TVs uh, that I that I would probably take over Born, but I mean I think you could you could mix in some Bourne if you're if you're feeling as frisky as Sean, I guess.
3: There you go. We can mix in some Bourne. We've got the go ahead. Ben, you mentioned that you felt. Well, what was your thought here on the Lions? What were they more likely to do before they won a game?
2: Yeah, we got. We got to overtime, and I was kidding that it would make a lot of sense um, if they tied a game before they won a game. And, you know, I felt like throughout that overtime that perhaps at some point one of these teams would get into field goal range. But it was sort of what you would expect from Mason Rudolph facing off with Jared Goff. We got the uh, kind of comedy of errors. It was just a stupid game. It was just a <laughs> stupid game. But look, the Lions ran the ball really well in this game. DeAndre Swift was really, I mean, got a ton of volume, but it was up uh, well over 100 yards. And then both of the backups, Jamar Jefferson, your guy, Godwin Iguabuque, I believe is how you say his name, had a a long touchdown as well. Both of them had long touchdown runs. Jefferson, I was joking with some other people during the game. uh, You know, of course he's good. Who would have thought? That's the one prospect that Sean was just weirdly egregiously higher on than everyone else in the in the entire fantasy industry and I didn't even want to believe it I did get him on a couple dynasty rosters because you were just like so convinced Jamar Jefferson was so good and we finally get a little bit of play from him today and one of his first touches he gets this 28-yard touchdown run so why don't you take a little Jamar Jefferson victory lap
3: well I think Jamar can take it unfortunately he uh it sounds like wasn't able to play the rest uh, not too long after that which led to swift racking up kind of the number of rushing attempts that we're not necessarily looking for from him but yeah i mean Jamar jefferson he's out there he's like i was a superstar at 18 years old in the pac 12 it's like the pac 12 is not that bad i mean you guys got to give me a chance to play at the nfl level here it looks like the lions have their long-term sort of complement sidekick to swift in jefferson and for a team that wants to run the ball this much that's going to be somewhat important the thing that i thought was kind of cool on this game and then it kind of stopped being cool in the second half because it stopped being the case <laughs> but with swift i mean so much again we talk about the electricity that these guys bring and the ability to create the big plays swift is a great in some ways catch first running back who is fantastic in the open field in this one we got to see some of his strength as a pure runner he was running through arm tackles he was leaping over defenders I mean, you could see the superstar top five 2022 fantasy pick in this game. And then we got to the second half and it's like, you know, just turn off the crawl because I know that every time it comes through, Swift's carries are going to be up and his rushing yards are going to be down. Uh, The Steelers spent the entire second half deep, deep in the Lions backfield, which made it increasingly less likely that the Lions would score. Unfortunately, they did have the shot to win this game. And unfortunately, Lions style, as you mentioned, they do tie because in addition to other things they don't have and i, I feel bad for I me mean, you never are rooting against the kickers even in a situation where you know you're gonna get some more fantasy points if they miss which we did get from a couple of our Steelers in this one but the lions would have won if they could have made a field goal but they didn't they can continue to compete really hard and so i think this team has a bright future um, then let's bring it home today by talking a little bit about the dallas cowboys they were the surprise bust a week ago I mean, they have got a good team, right? But it was still a little surprising to see them be this successful so quickly after they were. I mean, are are the Denver Broncos the best team in the NFL? Yeah. <laughs> the bounce back from from Dallas was very impressive.
2: Yeah, um, and you probably haven't gotten to Denver's game yet today, so we'll just put that uh, as a little note uh, for the for the listeners who are wondering why you asked that. <laughs> but Dak looked good. Uh, Michael Gallup was back, was involved really, really early, got a couple of targets right away, had kind of a bad drop on a slant, would have been at least like a 15-yard gain, had a nice catch to get two feet down, down to the one, one of a a couple plays that got them down into range where Ezekiel Elliott could plot in to the end zone. So he got two touchdowns today, good for him. Uh, But yeah, now CeeDee Lamb, right right after a couple early targets to Gallup, we got CeeDee Lamb. Looking fantastic, really. And and two touchdowns in the first half. And I mean, it was like blink of an eye. I mean, Atlanta had a couple turnovers, I think. I'd have to go back and look, but they they must have, right? But they oh they had the block punt touchdown as well. I mean, it's blink of an eye. They're up 36 3. And that's that was a score at halftime. It was only seven three after the first quarter. So Dallas had a 29-0 second quarter. Pretty uh, incredible kind of just jets to to take off and 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 blow them out and put their opponent away. They And they they did. They kept their foot on the gas. They continued to – I mean, the the block punt touchdown occurred because even though they were at about a minute left in the half and even though they had already scored 21 points in that quarter and were up 28-3, they were calling timeouts and forcing their opponent to actually pump the ball back to them from deep in their own territory. And it leads to this other touchdown. And then Dallas goes for two on top of it and and gets up uh gets eight points right there with 37 seven seconds in the half but i mean that's something we talk about is teams that are willing to be aggressive teams that are willing to go after it even obvious they wouldn't have got the block punt they would have gotten great field position because atlanta was punting from deep in their own territory and they would have had 30 seconds to try to get at least another field goal before the half that willingness to you know try to put your foot on a team's throat and put them out of the, put them away and put them out of the game i mean that's something that you know, the the immediate opposite one that comes to mind is is Seattle and Pete Carroll has entire tenure. I mean, that's he's refused to ever let Russell Wilson throw to win games when they lead games. And so you you wind up in all these close, crazy Seattle games. This is what you want to see from a good team and from a good coaching staff that's willing to say, look, we have the advantage right now. We're gonna press it. We're gonna make this game, you know, we're as hard on our opponent as possible. We're gonna win this game in the first half, and we're not gonna make it we're not gonna make it close. Uh, and so yeah, I mean, it looked great. It, it was a, a good win for them. I was I was impressed by by Gallup. I thought, you know, we got a little bit more of Cooper almost like a little bit later on, it felt like. I thought Gallup was a little bit more of a headache for Cooper, it seemed like, than Lamb. Just having Gallup back, the three of them did see the most targets on the team. Oh, excuse me, Tony Pollard also had seven targets, was in the mix for a kind of high target share. It was a bigger issue for Dalton Schultz, who really kind of went away as that third weapon, uh, having Gallup back and seeing Gallup get five targets right away. We'll see how that kind of all plays out. It, 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 will, it will be interesting. I think Gallup is uh he's a guy we held on some teams that you know I liked in the offseason. I thought in week one he looked good in that in that first game. He was involved, he was a part of the offense more so than last year, and then he got hurt right away. It's the first time we got to see him again. And I did think it was interesting to see him get a couple of quick targets and then you know, see see some downfield looks, see some solid opportunity, a game where they didn't end up throwing a ton but he is somebody that I think is, you know, especially if you're in leagues where he hasn't been picked up yet is worth picking up.
3: And you mentioned that we have him on a couple of teams where we're really hoping <laughs> that he does reemerge here and give us another flex option late. I, I, I agree with you. I, I thought he looked good coming back and is going to be an issue for defenses, man, CD lamb, right? One of the things that's so impressive with him Is it just in all ways? I mean, he starts the game taking a screen pass for a big game. You see the run after catch ability there. He converts a fourth down from them. On his second touchdown, he's in in the slot and runs this beautiful route where Dak Prescott can throw it up to him as he's kind of peeling away from intense pressure. There's no way to take him away because he is so good in so many different formations, so many different routes. He can go up and make the play on the ball. He can run after the catch. His ability to get open in the intermediate areas is elite. And so I say all of that to kind of set the stage for, you know, asking, you know, is he right there with Jamar Chase? I think that we feel you know pretty comfortable with what Chase has done in the first half of the season, that he is the overall dynasty wide receiver one. I think that these two guys – when you look at their quarterbacks, when you look at their youth, when you look at the fact that they have some other targets who aren't going to take them out from a target share perspective to where they can't have the upside, but are gonna keep defenses from being able to, you know, really scheme with exotic defenses against them because there's other talent on the field. And then you look at their ability to win in so many different ways, to score touchdowns, to create big plays. When you look at having them for the next decade, I think they have the field gapped. Uh, ben, you and I also—we should probably be a little bit embarrassed about this, but I'm not. I'm really excited about it. We did a draft after the first Thursday night game where we actually took C.D. Lamb in the first round. The <laughs> guys that we wanted were gone.
2: Were, were we were eleventh we pick or twelfth pick? I mean, it it wasn't like top five. Let's let's be honest about that at least. Right. It, uh, but we had him. You, we had him. Uh, wide receiver two. Right. Uh, uh, pick eleven, I think, or pick twelve yeah
3: pick pick 11 i think and i think that the three big big receivers were gone i think we still would have taken them but we took him as the fourth receiver off the board we came back with jonathan taylor so this was a a game where we had 40 points from these two guys in the first half of their games very very fun that team is, is coming together nicely uh if you can come back around with taylor then you don't have to worry about taking lamb in the first round I still think this is going to be and one of the reasons why we did it. We wanted to win week one and bank those points and, and get CD lamb on the roster. Right. I like that start. I like this team. Every week. Isn't going to be like this when you play for the Cowboys who are a lot of, who have a lot of ways to score, but I think the second half of the season for Lamb could blow away even what the enthusiasts think he's capable of.
2: Yeah. I think, I mean, first you mentioned, you know, is he right there with chase? I think, Pretty much. Yes. I, I would still take chase. The other one that you, you had to get me higher on in the off season, but now I, I think I need to make sure to make sure that you're as high as you should be on is Justin Jefferson. He's got to be right there with those two as well. I, I mean, there's nobody in the NFL, in my opinion, that has had, or, I mean, I don't know if I'll say that that's necessarily my opinion, but I'll say that I've, I've been noticing it from week one when he didn't score the TD that he did score that has had more near misses on more big plays. He's looked exactly like the player from last year. The stats just haven't really backed it up because, you know, he had the, the long miss on, uh, you know, potential 50-yard TD from Kirk Cousins where, I mean, he couldn't have been more open uh, and Cousins overthrew him. We've, I've talked about that on multiple shows. Uh, last week, a, a deep one up the sideline. Several, several plays throughout this season for him where it, it's just not, it's been, you know, regression and it happens uh, with efficiency, but uh, not on him. And so I, I still have him right there with these guys as well. But uh, I completely agree with you about Lamb. I'm I'm very excited for the rest of the way. He, I, he yeah, he looks really good. <laughs> I mean, but his first touchdown, I think it was, he elevated forward, looked uh, really impressive making that play. He's made a he makes a lot of plays look easy too, which is something that I really like to see from you know really good players that. you want to to see them make plays that other guys make look a little bit harder than they should, or or maybe vice versa. Lamb is just making them look easier, whatever. But, you know, it doesn't end up getting talked about as much because the player is making the play look easier than other players might. He just has those types of skills. He has a very innate feel for the game. It's a very, he's a, a really fun dude to watch. Obviously there's a lot of players in this offense that can be successful. And so that's the, the part of it for me that's a little bit, you know, he got he has seven seven targets today. Very efficient on those seven targets, but we know Cooper's going to be involved. We know Gallup's going to be involved. I assume Schultz will be involved again, and so we'll see. But he is, is, I think, very clearly ahead of those guys right now in terms of expectations the rest of the way. And I, I mean, you're definitely getting me very excited and talking about that we're in 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 store for a bigger second half than even you know the enthusiast i would be one of those people that would count myself as a, an enthusiast but if if the the second half that you're talking about comes i'll be very excited
3: yeah and, and even if it doesn't it's it's always a good feeling to celebrate and enjoy the big weeks when they do happen like today so that's going to take us to the end of this stealing bananas hopefully you guys have been enjoying week 10 uh, as much as we have good luck on your Monday night game. We're rooting for you to get all the points you need to take that one home to win this key week 10 uh, tilt. I'm Sean Siegel with me as always is Ben Gretchen. You can follow at Yards Per Gretchen and subscribe to his newsletter, Stealing Signals, to get uh, more of the cool takes and stats that only Ben can give you. If you're looking for a discount to subscribe to Rotoviz, use the coupon code RBRADIO2021 at checkout. He'll save 10% doing that. If you've been enjoying, subscribe to our feed. You'll get the episodes as soon as they come out. Leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app, and that'll help us out a bunch. Uh, We appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you soon.